Hello and welcome to another episode of Testing Peers. Today, we're going to be speaking about the semantics of testing, focusing a little bit around manual testing. So first of all, let me introduce my co-hosts. So let's start off with Chris. Hello. David. Hi, Adam. And Simon. Hello. Before we start, I just want to say thank you to our sponsors. We're delighted that Saffron QA um, sponsor us. They're specialists in testing recruitment and provide a range of bespoke services around recruitment for organizations in the UK. If you want to see further details, please check out our show notes or visit saffronqa.co.uk. And over to Chris. Cool. So I was thinking about um, wordplay and the word association things, but don't worry, I'm not making you play that game with me today. But manual. Now, I don't know if you're like me, let's let's just soon find that out. But have you ever bought something and thought you knew how it worked and so never even opened the user manual? Have you got any disaster stories, perhaps, of where that might have happened and then you had to go back to the thing? I have stories where I've actually broken things because I've thought I've worked out how to do it myself, whether it be a kid's toy, various things within the kitchen. I think I almost broke a washing machine once as well because I, I thought I knew how to do it. And uh, it was more complicated than I realised. Trust me, it wasn't very complicated. I definitely got that wrong. Uh, the most recent one was the dishwasher. We got a brand new dishwasher. I was like, oh, you just put salt in, you put this in and then go. And actually there was a pre-system something that had to be done first that I didn't do. I don't think I've got a story of where I've thought that I can do it for a new product. But when I've come to mend things, I buy what I think is supposed to be it and then follow YouTube for not actually the model. So therefore I have broken things, especially uh, again, going back to a dishwasher, I've broken a dishwasher because I had to change something and yeah, it was rather more expensive than the actual part that I was replacing. Let's put it that way because I had to replace the whole thing. So I can't recall breaking anything, but I can certainly remember redoing things many, many times because I didn't follow the instructions and I had to undo and unscrew. So most recently moving house, rebuilding a wardrobe. I put on a panel backwards and sideways and then got to the end and then put the roof on sort of the top and then found out that it didn't quite fit because I got it the wrong way around. And though I had to unbolt and then unscrew virtually everything and start all over again, twice for different panels I did this. So I didn't learn. I've been there on the furniture front before. I think furniture is quite a, bit, quite a big thing. I've put screws in wrong where the dowel should be before. And yeah, yeah. Not, not easy. Yeah, I've done that as well. But that's it, that, that was Ikea. even following the instructions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, not yeah. counting correctly. Had some nightmares and you kind of come to the end and you've got some extra screws left over and you think, oh. My, my sort of breaking something new thing was actually something that should have been incredibly straightforward upgraded from one phone to a new phone this is sort of 15 years ago or so and so i gave my old phone to my dad and i didn't bother giving him a new charger because i was like it's the same port you can run away with it anyway it turned out within a few weeks the voltage was different and intended differently for the device and the battery in his phone blew up like properly like expanded out massively and started to leak a bit. And that's just because I made an assumption based on a port that fitted and put the wrong voltage into it. And yeah, ruined a perfectly good phone for my dad. So well done me. Uh, And on that triumphant note, I guess we should probably move on to the main topic. Who wants to give it an intro, Simon? Yeah, I can do. So yeah, we thought we'd talk today about the misuse of the semantics around specifically manual testing. What we tend to see in the industry whether it be on social media or in conversations is there's this very clear divide between automation 
and manual testing. And anything that doesn't involve code becomes classed as manual testing. I think we're all on the same page as far as that's a frustration of ours. And yeah, sounds like a good topic to talk about. So yeah, where, where do we want to start with this? It's a frustration, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's an assumption that there is it's one or the other, isn't it? And typecasting is everything that isn't one thing as another. It's easy to do because our brains are trying to logically sort and organize things. But we know a lot in testing is related to context. And frankly, I feel like often those sorts of terminologies that are used aren't actually focused at testers. It's kind of, it feels like it's more aimed at sort of CROs and, and people like that who want something that sounds a bit more jazzy and they don't want to be too granular and things. And that's a frustration, again, as a tester, because it's talking about my craft, but not including me and what I do. I think the whole point is that people like to label things. They, they like to put things in boxes and to ensure that there is an understanding, you know, that they see it as understanding. And so it, it's very easily identifiable to go automation and, and manual. But even within each particular facet, automation, there are so many different things with automation. Is it script writing? Is it framework development? You know, and that's the same thing with manual. Often with automation, you need to do a manual step by planning out what actually you're going to test in the first place. So even with automation, you have that planning stage, which you could see as manual because you might want to walk through actually checking that it's actually occurring in the first instance. So to put it into those two boxes diminishes the value of of actual testing because as we're going to discuss, you know, there is always an element of both facets through the testing that we do. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I would agree with that. I think, yeah, it, you're right. It simplifies our, our craft into two boxes, which, which actually there's so much more to it than that. It's really key for us to try and find a way to articulate it in a, in a better way and to spread that message to all corners of the industry to try and make sure that I think a lot of the industry are on the same page. I think, you know, you, you can see there's a very clear divide between those people that talk about automation versus manual to, to those that challenge those posts that go up on social media that say well actually you know it's not as black and white as that there's a lot more to this you're diminishing the value of what we do if we dive into the manual side using the old old uh, sort of division that's that's traditionally that means the writing step-by-step test cases right that's that's what the traditional sense of manual testing is seen as but for me that's not even it's not manual as far as being a carpenter or working with something with your hands. It is still using a piece of technology to to help us write those cases, to help us create the scenarios, and then to run them. We're not running them, quote, manually. We are using things to help us run these tests. When, when I've been trying to explain to people, if we're talking about what automation could do that it may, is maybe done aut- automatically, or can be done automatically that is done manually, is the along the lines that, if you have test cases, you could probably automate them. So if I was talking about it, I might talk about manual test case execution rather than the other bits. I mean, we, we can all say stuff doesn't just happen automatically regardless. So we'll just throw that out. Yeah, my, my first intro into testing certainly had nothing to do with automation, but it also had nothing to do with test cases. My very first bit was to go through old bugs and check through those things. There were repro steps, which I guess is a bit like a, test steps to go through but then there was also an encouragement to do some sort of exploratory testing but they weren't 
particularly chartered. So maybe it was a bit more ad hoc, but the whole thing was to try and encourage us to think and do other things as well as following steps and being able to do both. And I guess the, the argument against manual testing being a low skilled job is that it isn't just following steps. It's also communicating and exploring and critically thinking and, and many, many, many other things. That's, I guess, the reason that most of us get a bit frustrated with the term, isn't it? It's not the actual segregation of two different types of tasks, because yes, as Chris pointed out the very first, we break things in two. We kind of front end, back end, or it's not that that kind of gets to us. It's that kind of, it's the connotation that goes with the term versus the term literally almost to a degree. It's it's low skilled versus automation is high skilled. And actually, it's that connotation that I think we get frustrated by more than anything else, that actually there is as much skill, much knowledge and much depth, the craftsmanship, whatever you want to call it, into figuring out what to test, how to test it, executing things against a system that doesn't use programmatic ways of doing it, as there is ones that do require a skill of programmatically doing it. And we find that often the words are used in such a way that they're demeaning. And it's that connotation that winds me up for a start and winds other people up into kind of like, I'm just a manual tester. No, no, you're not just at all. Actually, there's huge amounts of knowledge, skill, and things that go into it. And it's not just someone picking a keyboard up and navigating a website. There's a lot more art and skill and craftsmanship to executing an application, be it with a program, with code, or not. And I think, you know, people have to understand all that wide context that goes with it. You need to talk about book reports, communications, and so on. I think you're right. I think generally the, the manual testing is a, a skilled role as much as automation can be. But I think they'll still think there is a certain element of the industry or the wider community that are just following steps from pre-written test cases. And that is manual testing to some level. That is seen as manual testing. You're right. There's a lot more that we do that we don't talk about. There is the the, the ideation of creating tests and how we come up with ideas and the risk mitigation and all that other stuff that helps us get to a place where we're ready to write some tests, whether they be automated or manual. And I think it's trying to show that there's more value to what we do than just the final execution of those tests. And I think it's it's very difficult to, to move away from that view that that's all we do is the, is, is the test creation part and the test execution part. I think you're right. But I also think that there are areas within the industry where the traditional manual tester do follow scripts. They are given scripts written by possibly developers or other testers, and they do have to go through through them separately. But what I would say is that there are other companies out there who give people, again, because I haven't said it for a long time, culture ad, not culture fit. People should be able to feed back their improvements into what they're working on so that if they see a problem, if they see that what they're doing continually is missing an area, they should be empowered in order to allow them to give feedback, to give an improvement to the actual testing they do. And, and so people should feel that they are valued as part of that. And I think in that aspect, if they are following that thing, they are seen as a bit lower engineer than, than other people. The other thing that I would say is that the sort of managers or the people in charge of the projects often see the sort of traditional manual testing as taking a lot longer because and to a certain extent, in the execution of the test cases, it may take a bit longer. However, they neglect that the actual development of the automation can be as complex as the project itself. And so actually, the upfront cost of automation is 
And the ongoing cost, because of uh, changes to it, is probably equal to the traditional manual testing. So it's our job to ensure that actually their knowledge and understanding of the different terminology, if that's the way that they accept it or understand it, is acknowledged and we sort of educate them to the actual cost of it to the project. So how would we go about educating the businesses of that? Because you're right, there is definitely that view that, that manual testing takes longer, it requires more people to, you know, they, they can just increase the number of people and that will reduce the number of time, the time of testing down. There is a very simplistic view that how hard can it be? Just just literally get more people in and run the test quicker. Is it a case of literally getting some of the business to sit down with you and talk them through, show them the process that we follow from start of project to end of project, from a creation, ideas creation, a risk mapping, you know, bringing ideas together, creating the scenarios, et cetera, et cetera? I wonder if it's uh, something that needs to go back a step further and for testers themselves to take a, a look at themselves and, and really work out what it is where we are. Because obviously we talk about how context is different and therefore we have to approach things differently depending on that context. But also I think there is a, almost an inherent mindset amongst us that we already think we're on the back foot. We already think that everyone thinks that we're lesser than say people who write code. We have these sorts of biases in our heads already that are anchoring the way that we are thinking and approaching these things. I think actually we know in, in our hearts, in our minds, there there is so much more to our craft, but maybe we're not doing good enough to talk about it amongst ourselves, let alone with other people. And, and if we don't really have in our own minds and our own ways of finding a way to articulate amongst ourselves exactly what we mean when we talk about what is the value of manual testing in inverted commas versus other things? What is the value of doing this thing over that? The way that we do things, because it's so vast and it's so different, is it not sometimes a problem that we ourselves are not able to really know where we're standing and maybe have a bit of a victim mindset before we even begin these conversations? And that puts us on the back foot before we even start. I think you're absolutely right. I think we do have biases. We do see ourselves as sort of second class engineers in, in the workplace because that's always been the traditional thing. And so I think we as managers do need to sort of change our mindset and not be quite so negative, support the positivity of improvements and think of things in a more positive way uh, that we have made differences rather than that negative mindset of we're always in battle with particular aspects of the companies it's got to be we as leaders have to try and help drive that and i'll go back to my favorite phrase the culture of quality we have to help drive that change so that we're not on the back foot so we're not the reactive ones so we're not the ones that feel lesser to the other areas of the business we have to take them on the journey and show if we work together on this if you look at things from our perspective manual testing isn't a lesser activity than automation it's a an, an activity that complements automation and let's, like you said, like everyone said before, let's remove that word manual. Let's look at testing as a holistic, and it includes all elements from handcrafted test cases to exploratory charters to automation and everything in the middle. As Chris said earlier, it's how it's executed is really what we're defining when we say automation or not of a test case. It's also kind of one of the other things around automation isn't just about execution of test cases. It can be of process improvements. It can be generating data. We use coding to generate lots of things. And there's one thing that I haven't mentioned, I'm going to, it gets my head annoyed all the time is 
one of the things that most teams I've ever worked with have done is write unit tests. That's automation. Yet we don't talk about that. We don't talk about developers writing automation generally when we talk about unit tests. And in that case, then our developers are automation testers by our own common definition of what automation is. We've got to get our heads around this. You're an automation tester, you're a manual tester. You're a tester that can execute in different ways. And you can use tools to help you, be that postman, be that code, be that acts for accessibility tools, whatever. You're using tools. And code is just another tool to get your job done. And it's got value. But as David said, there's costs associated to that. And we have to make the choice for the right approach for the right problem. But yeah, anyway, my rant is over now. Amen to that. The other thing I would say is that we shouldn't necessarily put ourselves in boxes as to manual testers and automation because as testers ourselves, because actually, again, the more we have to offer our industry, the, the far better we are at getting jobs. A CV is a, a document of what we're capable of, but we shouldn't just concentrate on one or the other. We should be able to offer our services and recognize ourselves again as testers rather than really just reinforce this box ticking exercise as I'm an automation or a manual tester. We should all see ourselves as, as testers with a preference to either writing code or writing more documentation or, or whatever. We will have facets of both things because hopefully through our experiences, we will have touched on both because that's what the industry actually does. So there's a lot of boxes, box checking, being put in boxes. I think job specs don't help. And I don't think sometimes companies really help when they're looking for, for what they're after. And I, I've, I've certainly spoken to um, hiring companies and I've requested that any role I go for doesn't include the word automation because I, I will be automating, but I want testing to be my primary focus and to choose, as to Russell's point, the right thing, the right tool for the job. I think there's been a sort of a ongoing conversation on Twitter. I've seen quite a lot recently arguing against testing as a specific role, but as something that needs to be done by the team. And I think that there's a broader conversation there around, we want the quality to belong to the whole team. And therefore we want people with different skill sets who maybe aren't explicit testers in their mindset to be performing testing. That can change a lot of things from your traditional tester role as well. And we sort of talked a bit before about how testing or traditional testers might end up moving more into coaching roles and then to enable other people to do testing and to start thinking about how we critically approach software and how we will test that to get the best quality, where we should do it, how we choose the right tools and those things. But and, and we sort of keep on coming back and say, well, who is really the audience for a conversation about manual and automation testers? Are we talking right now in this conversation with the explicit hope of talking to the higher ups in businesses who won't ever do any testing? They just want some lovely vanity metrics or something that looks nice. Are we talking to testers, some of them who are really struggling with a battle over like technical or automation tester versus manual tester? Are we talking to people who work in development teams who are actually struggling to work out how we as a team can do automation? And maybe I don't really want responsibility for that because I'm not a tester and I can't do that. You know, who, who are we really aiming this conversation at? Who do we think we can maybe help prompt and jig some thoughts in the minds of? Is it horrible me to say everyone you just said? No. Again, I think it depends on the context. Different companies are in different places. So 
you know, some companies, especially startups, may only have developers because they're still in the initial stages and thinking about the product they're actually doing. So they might not have thought about testing. And so therefore, as they grow and the quality has to be improved, then actually at that particular point, therefore, they might think about testing. And so I think... Russell's right that actually we're trying to talk to to everybody. We're trying to give everyone an understanding of where we are at at this particular time. And there there isn't a fix all. We're not going to be able to to fix everyone's problem because everyone's problem is in context and has a different story behind it. However, what we want to try and do is get that discussion going, which is the whole point of this podcast, is to make sure that there is an understanding of test in general. Yeah, context is a critical factor in all this because I've interviewed people recently and they all they want to do is write automation, for example. That would cement the pattern, the context of an automation tester versus other things. I, like Simon, preach culture of quality, working together all as one. Well, that goes to Chris's point about coaching testing that doesn't necessarily need to be a person, but it is a function or a form that needs to take place. And it does depend on your organization, your context, the ways of doing it. So I guess we're reaching out to, to everyone about just trying to be aware of the language they use, the connotations of that language, what it may mean and how it may put someone in a box that didn't even realise it. Some people feel belittled. I know some people have said that start, I'm just a manual tester. I don't like that sentence for their well-being beyond anything else. Well, yeah, I agree. And it's also that thing of the only way I'm going to progress is if I learn to code. And actually, if we change the dialogue around automation being better than manual and look you know general in 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 life there is a lot of things where automation has come in and it's improved the process and i'm not not denying that automation is is good high value definitely worth doing but when it comes to testing that isn't the only path to succeed that isn't the only path to grow there are lots of other opportunities to to do more stuff without having to learn to code learning tools as russell said you can still automate stuff without learning code you know, there's lots of opportunities to learn other things. You can add to your toolkit and you can become a more effective tester by doing more of these activities. It's just unfortunate that we've we've boxed ourselves in an industry to automation versus manual. Yeah, and it's not versus, it's and, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It should be. That's the half the point, I guess. Yes, agreed. But an interesting thing is, is going back a little, a couple of minutes really, uh, to biases that, you know, we were saying about our own biases in getting that message out, but it's also the biases of the engineers or the or the testers. If, as you say, Simon and Russell, that I am just a manual tester, they've already got their bias of I I can't go anywhere unless I'm seen as a manual tester. And if a job spec says explicitly they're looking for a manual tester, and that they have to do the automation, they have to write a script in order to to move on. That is their bias, and so. Again, going back to what we're trying to do is is creating that community spirit is that actually we need to break down those personal biases of everyone in our group to help them really be, like I said, empowered in order to enable them to fulfill their potential as testers and not be pigeonholed. One thing I guess I'll add as well is I do think automation is a valuable skill in the tool belt. I think it can help you. But what that means and how it does depends completely on the context of your project. Uh, I know I look for kind of, I guess, full stack testers, as I phrased it. Uh, I probably stole that from somewhere, to be fair. But it's like how I'm looking for, if I look for a developer, I'm looking for a developer that can write unit tests. You know, a developer that can't wouldn't probably fit my team structures. And it, it is about things, but there are lots of roles. 
At times, I need people to do user acceptance testing, which is executing my scripts that have been written by somebody else, things like that. So there is lots of different opportunities. Agile, I think, does promote automation as a way to be able to do rapid releasing because of the time constraint of executing things. But there is so many different roles out there, so many different people that are needed for different things that it's important that, that there is opportunities for everyone. And that is clear. You may not be in this team, it may be in that team, it may not be in this world or that world, but there's different things for everyone. I'm one for, if you can grow your skills, do it. Take every opportunity you can to get improvements, be that better at exploratory, better at risk assessment, better at communication, bugs, automation, doesn't matter. Just grow, I think is what I would say. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And to add to that, you know, it's analytics, users, find out, learn more about those areas, how we can improve the user experience. There's, there's lots of areas that, yeah, we can grow into without having to write automation. Automation is an important toolkit, a part of our toolkits that can complement our other work. So, yeah, there's there's lots of opportunities to grow. And I think changing the, the dialogue from manual and automation to holistic testing or, or something something a bit more overarching would, would help us all come together and work, work as one rather than feeling like there's a divide or, you know, we're more superior than, or the automators are more severe than the manual testers. And, and it just isn't the case. I think holistic, or as we kept saying, the toolkit, having the toolkit, you know, there've been talks in conferences before about having a tester's toolkit. Everything that we do fits into the toolkit. Everyone's toolkit is different. And, and it's recognizing them, everybody as individuals for whatever company they work for. And they each have something to bring and um, different skill set. And as you said, encouraging part of that toolkit uh, and expanding that toolkit is vital for people, but not necessarily going from manual to writing test scripts and automation. There are many more facets to it in order to, to help that toolkit grow for each engineer. We can go into a whole bunch of different things along sort of tool choices, even within these other parts. I mean, I've, I've worked in places where someone has used their favorite method of testing to test everything. And that's actually not helped any anybody else. And they haven't chosen the right tool for the job. And that's happened both in automation and not automation. I've seen people use completely the wrong tool in automation to automate some string handling because they like the tool. It's actually much more valuable to me to have someone that is willing to analyze, work out what the right tool to do is. And if they don't know how to do it, to apply themselves in those things or find the people that can do that than somebody yeah. who can just come in and do the same old tool that they've always done, do stuff the same way as they've always done. Cause I don't think they're growing themselves. I don't think they're providing the same value as they would do otherwise. And so the opportunity is in that analytics of not only the, the customers, the end users, but also analyzing your own ways of working, your own tech stack and your own opportunities within your team. I think you're right. And it sort of stifles the growth of both the individual and the team itself and possibly the project, because actually, again, it stops or prevents the may cost the, the project time because they're trying to unpick or the wrong decision was made for the tool created at the beginning. Yeah. Ultimately, we are testers. You can put a prefix in front of that if you want, a unit tester, automation tester, exploratory tester, manual tester. Uh, ultimately, we are testers and that's where we kind of end up. And yeah, we can prefix it with any skill set, any particular area, but it does negate a lot of what we do. So maybe we should try our best to avoid it and just 
go back to basics. And I think that's a perfect ending to the episode. So thank you very much for listening again. I hope we've uh, started a conversation that's in your mind through this conversation. And if you'd like to feed back to us what your thoughts are on this particular topic, uh, then please do get in touch. You can either contact us via email on contact us at testingpeers.com or on your regular social media channels. So LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're obviously available on most of the good podcast streaming services. And if you'd like to support us along with Saffron QA as our sponsor, you can do small sponsorship via Patreon. So do look out for us there. From us then, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next time. For now, it's goodbye from the testing peers. Goodbye. Goodbye.